this is a thought that I've shared before, but when I go through the Christmas story, I look at things that I see as being upside down uh, to what I would choose and how I would have orchestrated it. And last week we had looked at how God could intervene in history and speak to people hundreds of years in advance and very specifically where the Christ child would be born, how things would work, and, and that's amazing. But then he takes it a, a step further when he picks people who we wouldn't pick to participate in the Christmas story. And what I see two things in that. I see God being able to say, I can do anything I want and make it work. But also I see him saying anyone has the capacity to participate in his kingdom and be used by him if they're willing. That's kind of what's been shared already this morning, um, that idea that if our hearts are open, then God is willing to allow us to, to be a part and participant in his kingdom. And one of the things that, you know, when we pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, we're getting the attention off ourselves and on to him. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Kind of the next phrases, and it's the idea that do what you have planned. You know, and let your will be accomplished. And, and we, in a sense, are dedicating ourselves to those purposes above all else. So let's walk through this. Uh, first, I just want to make a note out of 1 Corinthians when Paul's addressing this kind of thing. He says, God chose the world, what the world thinks as weak, to shame the strong. He, he took the things that don't seem to fit and used them in a way that showed strength anyway. So the first, you know, with Mary, the, an unmarried gal bearing the Christ child, that would have been awkward in any day more so in that day than this day. And yet, that's what he chose. And he chose a young girl. I mean, an inexperienced woman is going to carry the Christ child. You know, and, and, and you're just looking at it, you're kind of going, well, he could have done that a little different, right? But, you know, in that, he's taking a, a girl that we would we'd say, no, if God's going to come to earth, that, that, that doesn't work. And yet, that's what he chose. The social complications, it doesn't say much about it, except that Joseph's ready to divorce her quietly, and Mary immediately takes a trip to the out country, goes to see an aunt. You know how awkward it would have been at home, trying to answer all the questions? And so that turmoil that would have been going on would have been very easy to go, <laughs> go to Elizabeth's house. That's kind of a process that was carried on in, in days past for years and years. Girl gets pregnant out of wedlock, heads off to some family member in another city. You know, it was, that was one of those things that, you know, when in, in this particular situation, you know, you're going... Really, God? I mean, all this explaining that has to be done? The Spirit of God did this. And she's trying to explain it. It would have been very, very complicated. And again, God is just kind of, well, I'll do what I want. 
I'm going to use the, the weak things to, to show strength and show the, my power through this. Even Joseph, you know, the, the fact that they're engaged and, and he's got doubts about his fiancée, and then he has to walk that through and he gets a dream, and, but he's noble enough to say, okay, if this is what God says, even though I don't understand it, I'm going to do this thing. And so, you know, he, he was noble in a sense that he, he was going to do it quietly, but then God speaks and says, no, you're to, you're to go through with this. And it just goes on. The fact that they're, when they give their sacrifice for the, the child and, and they bring a, a couple doves or a couple pigeons, um, that's not the rich man's sacrifice. And, and you're going, the Son of God is born on earth. We ought to have a really big sacrificial time, you know, and celebration. Like when they did the temple, you know, they couldn't even count all the beasts that they got rid of. No, it's a couple pigeons, possibly, or doves. And so again, God is not, he unravels kind of a religious ceremony and says, it's not that big a deal. And just goes, this is what's more important. And I, I go, you know, you know, she brings forth the baby, wraps him in swaddling clothes and puts him in a manger. I'm going, think there were any germs back then? No germex when you walk into the, the stable, right? Please wash your hands before you go in. I mean, all of us have been freaked. You know, and basically the baby was born out in the open. And again, you're just kind of going, oh, that's taking a big chance, right? Or at times we, we even do, you know, in regard to ministry things, um, <laughs> room at the end was here. I aired the church out every single day. And we click, quick went through a cleaning process because there might be germs. You know, because, you know, that's, we're just caught up in that kind of stuff, and yet God eh, can take care of that. And even sometimes in ministry, we're called to do things that might stretch us, even germ-wise. You know, go into situations that, that aren't what you would choose or pleasant, but it might be exactly where God has you and what he wants to do. Let's look at Bethlehem. Now, there's no absolute number, but one of the archaeologists has spent his life trying to figure out uh, how you know, how big different cities were and, and all of that, came up with a number of maybe 300 people. That's not much of a town, is it? And, and you know, to just consider that, that, you know, if, there's not much PR going out from there. Furthermore, everybody in town is going to know of this baby being born. But it's kind of a, just one of those moments where you're going, Really? You chose a town of 300 people? I mean, that means that God might work through one of the communities in the UP? I mean, we get a little offended when it's not put on the map, right? You know, <laughs> when it shows up as Wisconsin, you know, and, and you go, what is this? You know, but again, an insignificant place. 
And, and these people weren't even local. So when they're coming into town, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have, you know, they didn't get a place in the inn, right? There wasn't a family member to stay with. They, it, it's just a couple from out of town. They, who, she's pregnant. Why are they even traveling? You know, you can imagine what was going on. So an insignificant country, you know, small town, insignificant country. It, it, it just, everywhere you go, I mean, the Romans had conquered all of this region. The uh, Herod was certainly not of the Jewish group. You know, so the, the city-states under that, uh, it's just little small potatoes. I'm talking of the Jewish heritage. Yet God says, yeah, I'll work with that. That's what I'm going to do. And then he chooses, he chooses people to participate in this again that really don't fit. You have old people. I mean, old people. Anna says that she was married seven years, and they wrestle with, could she actually be this old? But it, the way it's written, it says she lived 84 years past her marriage. So she may have been over 100 years old. And yet God chooses to bring her into the celebration. So there's nothing that she could give. There's no, you know, she's not going to be running around, you know, making noise to everyone and telling, no. But she had been worshiper all of her life, and, and God draws her into this moment. And Simeon, the only thing he's waiting for in life is to see the Messiah, and then he's planning on dying. It's just been shown to him that he's going to see him before he dies. What a great plan for life, right? You know, you know God brings, brings this guy in that <laughs> the only thing to live for is just waiting for this moment, but that's nothing else is all that exciting. He's, he's lived it, he's done it, he's ready to go, and yet God says, well, yeah, but he's been devout, and this is the one I choose. So he brings him into the celebration. Even the shepherds, you know, when the angels came and, and, and spoke to them, or the angels, you know, saying good news, glory to God in the highest, um, the shepherds were not like the high strata of society, and particularly religious society, because they rarely would have gotten to temple worship. They're watching their flocks. And they, you know, their reputation wasn't all that great. And, and, you know, they just, they weren't part of the elite. And yet God says, well, let's bring some shepherds into this. And, and then the wise men, they're not even Jewish. So again, you know, what we would pick religiously just didn't happen. And yet, in some ways, when we look at our own lives and we say, yeah, UP, we're, we're part of the group that's not on the map. Or we're part of, you know, this family. Or, you know, you, you can downgrade yourself as to why God wouldn't. And yet, when you walk through a story like this, you have to say, he qualifies whoever he wants. And whoever's heart is dialed in and ready to respond. And so there isn't the, 
the right to just dismiss it because we don't have the right financial backing or the right heritage, but really it's like, is my heart open to do what he wants? And then the knowledge that he will accomplish whatever he desires through me in that case. I want to go back to that Corinthian passage for just a bit and, and look at that as we close. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Think about it. The circumstances of your call. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians, and he goes, not many were wise by human standards. Okay? He's talking about them. You're all smart. I know that. Not many were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were born to a privileged position. So he's, he's talking to the New Testament believers. He's saying, this carries over. It's not just a Christmas story. But God chose the, what the world thinks foolish to shame the wise. God chose the, what the world thinks is weak to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world what is regarded as nothing, to set aside what is regarded as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. It says he intentionally chose his path so we wouldn't get too arrogant and try to assume that we had accomplished a right relationship through him through our own deeds. He's the reason you have a relationship with Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. So he says, through Jesus is the wisdom that becomes the crucial wisdom for our lives. Through Jesus, we are set right before God. Through Jesus, we are purified in the Lord. Through Jesus, we are bought back, so to speak, redeemed, that we might live for him. So that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now, Paul had made this statement in the very next chapter. He makes us a comment about his own ministry. I find this fascinating because we recognize him as a powerful apostle who writes most of the New Testament, or most New Testament books, put it that way. He says, I was with you in weakness and fear with much trembling. My conversation and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith would not be based on human wisdom, but on the power of God. So Paul's saying even about his own life. He says, my frailties were still used by God for your benefit. And so during this Christmas season, when we walk through these stories that are, are familiar to us, I just encourage you, keep this mindset that God will use whoever he wants, however he wants, when he wants. And we have the right to expect his voice in our lives, guiding our steps. What an awesome thing that is. When I went through this this morning, sometimes people before they come to Christ, there's a, a wondering, would he even accept me? because we may not be much in regard to society. And the answer is yes. Through a story like this, the answer is yes. 
but then there's a second question that comes in our minds and it goes, well, would he use me for anything because I'm not much? And again, the answer is yes. He does and will. Thirdly, when we look around us, we may see others that we think aren't much. And the truth is, God will use them as he wants in spite of our opinions of them. So we best keep our mouth shut. Just a thought. Let's pray together. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to hear your voice and be used by you for the workings of your kingdom. As each one goes into the community, I ask that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen.